I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. In these Gurus editions, we'll feature strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, recovery scientists, and other performance specialists who help athletes to be their best. This is part two of our conversation with Michael Watts, Director of Global Performance at Under Armour. Mike helps athletes from across sports to optimize their performance and recovery by improving the efficiency of everything from their training and nutrition to their movement patterns, their sleep, and their breathing. In fact, he has found that the majority of us, whether we're elite athletes or normal folks, breathe dysfunctionally. And by addressing this issue, we can learn to use oxygen more efficiently to increase both performance and the quality of our everyday lives. So what percentage of the athletes you work with do you discover are not breathing efficiently? Is this, this is a common problem? Common problem. Yeah. I think in my entire career working with athletes, so this is spanning over 20 years and we're probably into thousands of athletes. I've met one athlete who consciously was thinking about their breathing and working on it. Wow. And then in terms of athletes I meet and who are functional versus dysfunctional, you meet a few who are functional, but they tend to be water sports type athletes, whether it be water polo, big surfers, free divers, like they, they tend to be functional. The rest of the athletes, I'd say the majority up to like 90, 95% would be classed as dysfunctional. That's so crazy. And then when they become functional breathers, their performance would obviously increase because they're using oxygen more efficiently. Exactly. Yeah. So you you get the benefits of delivering more oxygen. You get the benefits of having an actual strong core. We talk a lot about training the core. The diaphragm is in the core stabilizer. If you breathe correctly and utilize the diaphragm, then you have a stronger core. So you can have a stronger core. You get the benefits of movement efficiency. You get the benefits of the gas exchange. And then you get the benefits of trying to work on the mind. And, And if you can start to be more present or focused on something such as breathing. It's going to help you with your recovery, like doing that breathing with a cadence. It's going to help you recover. It's going to put you in more of a parasympathetic state to help your body rest and digest, so to speak. So I do a lot of breathing stuff just personally. I do the box breathing. I do a lot of the in the one nostril, out the one nostril, then in the other one, the, the single nostril stuff, just stuff that I've learned over the years. I think you actually taught me the box breathing a few years ago. But you know, when you get into a situation where you're just, you know, going all out on the bicycle or doing sprints or whatever, I start sucking wind sometimes. Like yeah. it happens. You got to gulp in the air through your mouth. At what point does that efficient breathing kind of go out the window and you're just, okay, we're in the moment and this is, I need all the air that's possible. Or if you're a super efficient breather, does that not happen? It does happen. So <laughs> once you reach a certain point, then you are going to have to use the mouth. And it's usually to get rid of carbon dioxide because you've hit a point where you can't tolerate anymore. Um, the papers and the research is telling us around 35 milliliters in terms of when we talk about minute ventilation. What does that mean or what does that look like? It's about 85% of VO2 max. Mm. So it's quite high. And if you think about most marathons, they're run at probably that or just below. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, most marathons could be ran just with the nose. Well, but Because we don't train it and because we have a a high sensitivity, if you're a female during the luteal phase of your period, then you actually become more sensitive to carbon dioxide. So female athletes in that phase, in the luteal phase, they can drop 
their sensitivity by 25%. Wow. So all of a sudden they're more anxious, they get out of breath easier and they can't understand like, why is my breathing off? Like, why is this more difficult? And the increase in progesterone basically creates a high sensitivity to carbon dioxide for female athletes. So it's one of these things where, yes, you're going to switch to using your mouth at some point, just try and become really efficient and delay that and delay that and delay that because it costs energy. And I always tell people, if you think about your system at home that heats the air in the house or cools the air in the house, it costs energy. If you crank that thing up high and it's not been serviced and it's noisy, it's going to cost you more dollars. Like it costs more energy. Your breathing is no different. If your breathing's calm and relaxed, it's using less energy. And we talk about runners or cyclists. If you start to get fatigued and you start to get into that heavy breathing, it's going to start to fatigue the diaphragm. The diaphragm is a muscle, so it needs blood. And you're going to have to push blood into the diaphragm. And it will take blood from your legs into your diaphragm. And then all of a sudden, we've lost our, our ability to run or perform or cycle at, at max because the blood's moving away from the legs. It, it's going to go and deliver it to the diaphragm. So it's really important that you, you have that big tolerance to CO2 and you try and train it. And we get a lot of our athletes to mouth tape during easy training sessions, zone one, zone two, zone three, mm-hmm. tape the mouth, use the nose only. If you can't use your mouth, just drop your intensity. And it's a good way to do a low intensity session or a recovery session just by sort of taping the mouth as well. I did a workout a few years back with an NHL player who was working out, uh, being trained by a former Navy SEAL, and they did a lot of this breathing stuff. I feel like it's something that the kind of the military community has known about for a while because they are in so many high stress situations and they can regulate it with the breathing. It's so fascinating. What are the other most common mistakes that you see even pro athletes make? Ooh. There's a lot, Lindsay, I tell you. <laughs> You're <laughs> um, doing it wrong. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, the drum's been beat on this one a few times, but sleep is definitely one. And it's the invasiveness of somebody's phone or tablet in their life that I see as causing a disruption. And usually the disruption comes because of stress and quite often social media or emails or text messages from the outside world can create stress. And I see not many people being able to sit within themselves and they give themselves too much. They give themselves too much to their social media or other outlets. And I think what it does is it disrupts them to a sense where we see poor sleep hygiene or poor sleep habits, lots of exposure to blue light, lots of exposure to the social media, which can sort of disrupt their hormonal response, cortisol levels, whatever it might be. People sleeping with phones, having them in the bedroom, like really invasive. Athletes not getting to bed consistently, which can happen because of schedules. Like that happens, like you take basketball, for example, that's a nightmare in terms of travel and scheduling. So there's a lot of that going on. The environment, not ideal. And then also when, when we come to the front end of things, when we see athletes wake up, their habits are pretty poor. One thing we try and get people to do is have a consistent wake time for their circadian rhythm and try and seek natural or artificial light. And again, this can be sort of swung one way or another with athletes because of their schedules or the traveling or the games 
or just they get a chance to lie in bed, so they'll lie in for sort of two hours. Big problem there. See a massive problem with hydration, as basic as it is, just not drinking enough quality water. So simple. And we spoke a little bit like, what can we all do? We can all invest in better quality water, get a decent water filter and think about hydrating your body for your brain and your body and your fascia and your muscles, like super important. Um, so I'd say sleep's off for athletes. And I think the rise of social media has caused a huge problem because we find a lot of athletes live their lives on there or through it. And then this is not really my fear, but then we start getting into the psychological impact of that on them. And something where I think we see the industry moving toward a little bit now is, is mindset and how we think about how we train the mind and how we understand what are we going to do that's going to benefit our performance or recovery and what's more negative. And then how do we manage that? Like, and it's new. Like when I first started in sport, there was no social media. There was, I think I remember Twitter a few years. That was the first thing, but athletes weren't on social media. That wasn't a distraction. So it's new. And I don't, I don't think we quite understand the impact yet. I think we're probably going to start seeing that now or, or in the future, like really what's happening to our athletes mindset and what's the impact on their body and performance due to so much exposure. I would imagine too, like so many of the people that I work out with, like you see somebody do some crazy exercise on Instagram and you feel like you have to try it because there's this element of keeping up with the Joneses and like so many people get hurt trying to do wacky stuff they see on the internet. And I imagine a lot of the pro athletes fall victim to the same kind of thing. Like, oh, that guy's doing that. I can do that. And you just kind of become so obsessed with what everyone else is doing and not what you should be doing for yourself. Yeah. And the real basic fundamentals that are so important to all of us are not that sexy. Like they're yeah. not something you would put on Instagram. No. Um, so you don't see that work that's being done. You just see like the crazy stuff or the just super outrageous stuff. And they're not doing that all the time. No, and they, they might don't just post done... the videos of changing the filter in their water filter system. <laughs> no, or turning the phone off and going to bed at a reasonable time. So, And that's the environment social media has created. And it's the difference between what we call a good trainer or an Instagram trainer. And mm -hmm. just, just beware of navigating that, that environment for sure. You mentioned earlier, you gave the example of an athlete whose knee is coming in on an overhead squat. And you guys obviously have all sorts of fancy technology to be able to assess that. Granted, you can probably see it with your own eyeballs, but how can normal people kind of make a decision about whether or not they're moving efficiently or not, and then address those issues? Yeah. So if you can go and have a, a movement screen done, I think it's pretty good, like just to go and understand like how you're moving and, and how you can, can go and address some of those compensations. If you don't have the ability to do that, there are certain basics you can do. We talk about self-care and we talk about foam rolling and stretching and activating and, and, and integrating as a four-step process, which is, which is in the research and the literature, like you'll find it that if you follow this process, your body will start to realign itself and have more movement efficiency. So basic things you can go and do if you want to just generally try and stay healthy in your movement would be think about foam rolling your side of your IT band, side of your legs, 
maybe your hamstrings, maybe your calves, and maybe like the, the adductors or your groins. Go and stretch those same muscles and then maybe do some floor bridges or sort of sideline leg raises for like your glute. And then think about just doing an overhead squat, super slow and controlled, like as good as you can. And that would be a four-step process. And we see commonalities again, whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're somebody who doesn't do a lot. We see a lot of commonalities in terms of glutes can be underactive, adductors or groins can be tight, IT band can be tight, um, calves can be tight, lack of range in the ankle. Like there's just commonalities that we see. So you can go and sort of address those in a blanket fashion where you could say, okay, go and do that. It's not going to harm you, and, and, but you're going to get some benefit. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to get down into the detail and get bespoke and really focus on what you need, then you do have to go and get an assessment. And I think what we'll find is, and it is starting to exist, these assessments are becoming more digital. So as we sort of be on the, the iPhone or the, the phone a little bit there, Mm-hmm. They are useful if you use them in the right way. And whether that be a, a digital screening with an app or whether that be a professional that can, we're now in the age of like remote work and we're all used to like Zoom calls and things like that now. So try and get an assessment because I think it, it does make a big difference. But again, Lindsay, it's not that sexy. Like, and it's not the sort of thing you're going to be posting about or it's not the sort of thing that's going to look amazing, but it's one of these disciplines in life as a human, as a, as an athlete that you do day in, day out, you only need to do a few minutes every day. It builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And I think both you and I can testify being pain-free is a great gift. And if you can be pain-free, it really helps you go and do what you enjoy or what you love. I think so many people kind of forget to, or just don't realize, like you have a person who a normal person who maybe twisted their ankle, fallen off a curb or something, or they have a herniated disc, like so much of the population. And they say, oh, I can't do these things anymore because I have a bum ankle or a bad back or whatever. Every professional athlete has so many of those things wrong with them. And they spend the time to move and learn how to move despite those deficiencies and then correct them or whatever. But I do think the general public likes to use those things as an excuse not to move rather than find ways around them to move. Yeah. And professional sports is not that good for you to be a professional sportsman or woman. Like you, you tend to wear things out, get injured, hurt yourself, but have to keep going. And that's their job at the end of the day. But for people, when it's not your job, Trying to figure out a way around it usually leads to a bigger problem further down the road because all of a sudden you're like, well, I've got this bum ankle, so I won't do that and I'll do this. And then your body starts to compensate Mm -hmm. and then it's going to create another problem like, oh, now my back's hurting. Okay, I'll do this. Now my shoulder's hurting. Now I've got these migraines. Now I don't feel like doing any workout. Now I've put 25 pounds on. Now I'll just like give up. So, And it can come from something as simple as a, turned ankle can lead to like poor sleep, poor food choices, dysfunctional breathing patterns. Like we're integrated and we have to start to think one thing leads to another and try and address things as as they come up. And if you don't have the expertise, you don't have the knowledge, go and seek somebody who's trusted. Don't just look on Instagram, go and seek something that's a trusted source and say, Hey, I have this issue what would your recommendation be? 
So Mike, I've kept you already way too long. Just tell us how folks can find you on social media, which they're not supposed to be using a lot of, but in small doses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can check my social media. Um, it's at flow2plus, F-L-O-2, P-L-U-S. So I'm not super active, but I'm on there and yeah, hit me up on there. Ask me a question, whether it be on breathing or, or, or just generally on recovery. But yeah, you can find me on there. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much. And you mentioned earlier, you're training for some bike races. I wish you all the best and uh, just happy 2022. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, happy 2022. Thanks so much to Mike for joining us on Food of the Gods. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at at flow2plus. That's F-L-O, the number two plus. And check out his website, flow2plus.com. You can also follow Under Armour on both Instagram and Twitter at at Under Armour. That's A-R-M-O-U-R. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Podcast.